Welcome to Lime Church Podcast. I'm Rohan Battersby, the facilitator of Lime Church, and this episode is called Flavor. Well, we've taken the time to discuss why Lime Church is going to be a fresh church experience. We've taken the time to discuss the foundations of Lime Church. We've taken the time to talk about the format of Lime Church. And now it's time to talk about the last significant structural component of Lime Church, and that is flavor. By flavor, I'm referring to the spiritual qualities and elements that we can expect from coming together at Lime Church. I'm using the word ingredients to describe the deliberate actions we take around church life, and flavor is the spiritual life and blessing God brings to our church experience. Now, I am tempted in some respects to not talk too prescriptively about the elements of Lime Church, because I'm fully aware that when you get the foundations right and correct, and you allow space and scope for God to lead and direct His church, church life to a very large degree naturally takes care of itself. God is like a chef who wants to create a satisfying banquet for us. By preparing the right foundation and format, we've given him a good quality kitchen and well-stocked pantry that he can create a meaningful church experience with. We now just need to bring together the right ingredients and God will do his part to bring the right flavors to our church experience. God is a master chef and he knows what he needs to infuse into his church. He knows how to bring all the ingredients together in a masterful way and bring out all the flavors the church and our community needs. He knows how to bring many distinct individuals together when we're prepared to cooperate with him and each other. He creates a dish or church experience that is delicious and full of flavor and very satisfying. I'm going to examine Acts chapter 2 because I know of no other passage that is a better template for what church life can be when a community of believers intentionally makes the effort to interact with God. God intentionally interacts with his church and that interaction causes an interaction with those who don't identify as Christian. Many of the other passages in the New Testament that address church life are really just dealing with issues that come out of these interactions and the distortion of social dynamics that are addressed. A church that is passionate about connecting to God will naturally be a church that connects and interacts with the wider community. When God is the head of his church, he can create delicious dishes out of our church experience, which perfectly caters for what the church needs at a specific time, uninterrupted, and unfettered by human and structural influences, which incapacitate him from achieving what he wants to. Some would assert that this passage in Acts was a historical event in the life of the church, which birthed the church, but the traditions that we typically have now are the reference point from which we should replicate church life. We have the same Holy Spirit as the early church did, and if we hold to the right foundations and the right format, God can do the exact same things he has done outlined in the Bible right here and now. This dynamic of church has been proven right throughout the world, through history and even in our modern times. The Christian faith is not something which is a peripheral or abstract dynamic to a genuine believer's life. I'll admit that church done this way gives you very little to hide behind. The vitality and quality of your faith is on full view. This is interactive church. 
Church is not a spectator sport. Every quality of our lives should be tested by our adherence to the Christian faith. And this is no less manifest through our church experience and the social dynamics we are confronted with. I'd encourage you to read Acts chapter 2 in fullness as a great overview of what church life can be like. Go on, I invite you to press pause now and read it. It will only take you a couple minutes. There's many other New Testament references to dynamics and conduct in the church, but this is mostly dealing with the distortions and controversy that emerge from the reality of imperfect people coming together. Christian leadership often dealt with the obvious social issues that came from imperfect people interacting together. It should not be a surprise when people who are being sanctified stuff up and muck up. Let me make it very clear, everybody is being sanctified in the body of Christ, including leadership, and will be until the return of Jesus Christ or our promotion to glory. Sanctification is a word which means to become more holy. To accept an alternative dynamic to this is to embrace a falsely sanitized church system that suppresses people's issues and prohibits them from dealing with them, inhibiting growth. Salvation is not just an event, it's a process. I'm going to highlight the important ingredients and flavors we can expect from church life, as outlined in this passage of Scripture. Coming together and regularly fellowshipping with God and with each other is a foundational element of church life. It is going to take some time and effort. Connecting with God personally will always create a hunger to connect with others who are doing the same. Having a commitment to coming together is an important ingredient for God bringing the flavour He wants to, to His church and the community. To continue our cooking illustration, There's no point in a carrot sitting on the bench and saying, I'm not getting in the slow cooker, or a tomato doing the same. We have to have the courage and deal with the dynamic of congregating, both as those who identify as Christians and those who don't when it comes to church life. Being fueled or filled by the Holy Spirit is a flavor the early church experienced. And it is a dynamic that we must engage in to continually outwork the Christian life and testify to Jesus Christ. As spiritual life flows out of us to the church and our community, we need to be continually filled. Some church streams have turned infilling into an event and spectacle as an isolated experience, but infilling is always to propel the church into missional spaces for radical shifts to take place. Infilling is definitely a flavor we should experience regularly and results in a beautiful aroma of the gospel spreading to our community. When people meet with God, supernatural activity takes place that gets the community's attention. It opens the way for preaching the gospel. There is a broad range of supernatural activities that take place, including miracles, This is a flavor that occurs that is a direct consequence of infusing our lives with a supernatural God and marinating in his presence. Giving God space to move and believing for supernatural activity is an important flavor of church life. If you need a miracle in your life right now, I invite you to cry out to God to have mercy on you and help you. And I guarantee you, 
he will. A true Christian church is never divorced from the activity of the gospel. Preaching and demonstrating the kingdom is an important ingredient of church life. Church congregations are not meant as highways for religious people to exist in. The activity of the gospel was central to the church. After coming together, God filled them, they went out and testified, and there was repentance and baptism, and the cycle repeated. Church life was not an abstract activity divorced from these other qualities. Gospel activity will never be divorced from a church that connects to God. God moves in his church and creates social change. It's not a complicated concept, but one that often gets sabotaged because we can become addicted to control mechanisms. We can often want our spiritual experience to be an addition to our ordered and controlled lives. I'm not trying to diminish how thoroughly confronting and inconvenient it is when God moves. I like convenience and comfort too, and can seek to create control mechanisms around my life to maintain a certain status quo. If we can courageously allow every area of our life to be influenced and changed by God, it's going to affect the way we conduct ourselves. It's going to be so compelling that we allow radical social, family, and financial structures to be submitted and utilized for kingdom purposes. Maybe you're someone who doesn't identify as Christian right now, but has a nagging interest in exploring what church life and Christianity might mean. God loves you, and he may be drawing you to explore a Christian worldview. Let me say absolutely categorically, it's okay if you don't identify as a Christian, but you are safe and you are welcome at Lime Church. Holding to the apostles' teaching is an important ingredient which produces important flavors in the church and the interactions with our community we see in the Bible. Notice it's the apostles' teaching, not the pastor's teaching. Church life is established by apostolic and prophetic ministry, which creates correct pathways for the church to operate in. I'm not putting down pastoral teaching. We have an absolute commitment to a professional and ethical pastoral care framework at Lime Church. But it's a forest and tree scenario. It's so important we get the bigger picture stuff right when it comes to church life and Christian life, as well as the more personal and intimate spiritual dynamics of our lives that pastoral ministry tends to influence. Pastoral teaching that ignores the foundational elements of apostolic teaching will create systems and institutions which greatly sway from gospel mandates and create weak church cultures and environments. I'm talking about fellowship in much more detail in a podcast episode soon. When we think about fellowship, our minds often automatically think about hanging out with other people. But fellowship with God creates the essential basis for fellowship with each other. It's so essential that we base our spiritual life on personal connectedness with God. Once we become flexible change vessels, our church life is influenced positively by this. We can then better adopt the radical consequences of being connected to a supernatural God. You cannot create a radical church if you don't have radical Christians. Breaking of bread is referring to communion. Communion acknowledges our master Jesus's plan of salvation all those who are included in his family, and his physical absence from the earth, which includes the hope of his eventual return. There are often strict rules around communion, and this can become a habitual exercise devoid of meaning. 
More important is the acknowledgement of Jesus' presence in a meeting by his spirit and longing for his eventual return than getting the actual mechanics of communion right. Contemplative prayer was a dynamic that underpinned all Christian life and indeed church life in the New Testament. It's an essential ingredient for God to bring the flavors he wants to bring out of church life. By prayer, I'm not just referring to asking God for things, asking him to do things for us, but maintaining a God-orientated attitude that asks for his help, draws on his strength, and seeks his counsel in all things. If we're going to experience the flavor that we want in our church experience, it's going to take time. It's an investment of effort and energy. The quality of the flavor we and others will experience is a consequence of us investing directly in our relationship with God. It's going to take time in coming together and interacting with each other, and it's going to take time in allowing our community, who may not identify as Christians, to come and interact with us. The investment of time is such a crucial element in Christian and church flavors being fully developed. I encourage you to stay connected to God, His church, and the community. I love cooking when I've got time to engage in this activity without the pressures of just having to get a meal on the table. One dish I've tried to create is Thai laksa. You know that soupy Asian dish? It's quite popular. I like getting it whenever I go out to a Thai restaurant. I tried a bunch of recipes from Nagi and her website, Recipe Tim Eats. They were really good. They're not sponsoring this podcast. It's a free site you can go to and get a ton of good recipes. I don't think I've ever found so many good recipes on one site. I tried making her laksa and I was a bit disappointed though. I went exactly to recipe and I initially thought it was a bit bland. Anyway, I had some leftovers and put them in the fridge and I tried them the next day and I was like, oh wow, this tastes five times as good as it did yesterday. It tasted great. And I realized that I hadn't allowed enough time for the flavors to develop. Time is such an interesting thing when it comes to our spiritual lives and our church experience, just like it's an important factor in cooking. It takes time for flavors to develop. Other times I've tried to cook dishes and I've used all the ingredients and the next day the dish has lost its flavor. This has been something that has perplexed me for a long time and it was actually Nagi who clued me into the reality that the freshness of some ingredients only lasts for a set period of time. You can put ingredients into a dish but they lose their flavor. You'll notice that this is true in some bottled and canned items you desperately wish they tasted a certain way, but they just seem to be missing a certain amount of flavor. There's some flavors that are not repeatable when we meet together as a church, and they're a consequence of a spiritually vital church being blessed in a time and place by an amazing God. So when we come to church life and we want to see the full flavor of what God wants to bring to a particular meeting, sometimes it takes time for things to develop, And other times there's a certain element God wants to bring that really can't be replicated and may only have a short shelf life, so to speak, as God does what he wants to do at a particular time in a particular space 
and with a particular group. God is a master chef who knows how to bring all the ingredients of his church together into the perfect dish that meets the needs fully for everyone that comes. No one leaves church unsatisfied when God is the one cooking and catering. There are a broad list of interactions and events that can occur in church life. There's many different flavours that can be expressed, but it's not about systematically and prescriptively going from one part of church life to the next. The Holy Spirit can have a stay on one particular element of church life for a period of time, and he can express the flavour that he wants to express to achieve what it is that he is wanting to achieve. Acts chapter 2 starts with the church waiting on God in meditative prayer. Church life is a positively interactive and transactional activity. When we meet with God, there's a positive transaction that takes place. When we meet with those who identify as Christians, there is also a positive transaction that takes place. And when we interact with our wider community, guess what? There's also a positive transaction that takes place. Nothing is static. Marination works like this. There's a flavor transfer. Have you ever put ingredients like chicken in a marinade into your fridge overnight and benefited from the flavor it brings? Recipes will often direct you to marinate for a few hours, but say for best results, do it overnight. It takes time to get a great marination, and it takes time to infuse all the God flavors of who he is into us, the church, and our community. What's important is staying connected. It's pretty clear that Christian meditation is not a commonly held practice within most of the spiritual communities that I know of, but it certainly was practiced in the New Testament and one that we can benefit from greatly now. Christian meditation is like marinating in God's presence. Jesus talks about the glory or the connectedness and overlap that we're going to have in our relationship with him. In the Gospel of John, chapter 17, and verses 20 to 23, Jesus says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. It's not just getting connected. It's about becoming immersed in who God is. In John chapter 15, Jesus talks about the vine and the branches. And he talks about the absolute necessity of remaining attached and connected to him as the true vine so his life can flow into us and we can remain spiritually fruitful. Now, that's true for fruitfulness as individuals in whatever walk we have in life, but it's also true for our church experience. One definition of spiritual fruitfulness is how God's plans, intentions, and life manifests in the natural realm, based upon our consistent spiritual connectedness to Him. Fruitfulness and flavor are really interchangeable words. Fruitfulness is a function of how well each of us stay connected to Jesus as individuals, And as families, then when we meet together as a church and a community, others can benefit from that life too. Theosis, or becoming one with God, 
is the basis for Christian meditation and indeed the Christian life. It's simply spending time with God to a degree that our whole being becomes one with Him spiritually, emotionally and physically and that has flow on effects to and for others. I know a lot of folks that struggle to slow down to pray and I probably have struggled with this a lot in my church and spiritual experience too. When we slow down it forces us to live with and deal with the stark realities of who we are, the internal environments of what make us tick. We are very busy in our modern world too. We do need to slow down and stop regularly. But sometimes we keep moving because becoming still causes our internal pain to amplify. This is one of the important transactions that can happen in meditative prayer when God is there and he heals the internal structures of who we are. This can take years sometimes. I'm going to talk soon in a facilitator podcast episode how God spoke to me when I was about 20 years old and said, it's going to take 20 years to heal you. There's just some things that are so broken, they're not going to be fixed quickly. Being still and knowing God is a foundational practice of being a Christian. Not just some Christians, but all Christians. We need to regularly stop still and interact with God, converse with Him, and deal with the pain and brokenness of our humanity, and allow Him to instruct and inform and lead our lives. This dynamic forms the essential basis of being a Christian, and it forms the essential basis upon which fruitful and flavorful church life can be built. There's just some things that can't be done on the run. Christianity, if nothing else, is about having a relationship with God. Now, if you value someone, you will slow down and you will take the time to have intimate times with them. When we allow this process to happen, a church can become a healing community. In some respects, I've been tempted to not write anything about church leadership, given some of the more negative aspects of leadership that can exist across a religious landscape. Leadership appointments were not carried out to create authority hierarchies over people in the early church. They existed to assist and cooperate with the authority and the leadership of God and help the church navigate a variety of social implications and complications that would naturally arise from interactions with each other and the wider community. Leadership is a gift to the church, done correctly. It's not God to the church. Meaningful congregating happened with and without appointed leadership present in the early church. It certainly did not exist so the authority of God as the head of his church could be usurped by human mediators. Church life is a cooperative dynamic between God, his church, yes, leadership, and the community, and can never work in fullness if God is pushed out of the dynamic and church life becomes human-centric. If you gather around a leader who has an unhealthy relationship with money and profile, your church experience will end up in tears at some stage. While it's fantastic that many church leaders are making efforts to reduce sexual abuse in the church, abuse can happen in many ways, including spiritually, psychologically, and socially, during the execution of pastoral ministry. And it should go without saying that God doesn't endorse this behavior. Don't allow past failures you have experienced from believing in the power of a healthy and God-filled church or believing in God's ability 
to use leadership. We're all imperfect to varying degrees and can experience healing, forgiveness, and restoration in relationships if there's acknowledgement of wrongdoing and a commitment to change. I've been talking about God like he's the director and coordinator of church life, and he is. But in a very real way, he is also what we consume. He's the feast. He's an important ingredient we dine on. God says, taste and see that I am good. The Christian scriptures repeatedly teach us that every part of the church has a spiritual gift for the benefit and maturing of the body of Christ. In a fellowship culture and church platform free from one individual trying to attain and maintain a position over others, it gives broad scope for everybody to make a contribution and for everyone to be satisfied. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 1 to 14 is a great passage which highlights how beautiful the flavors of spiritual gifts are when we have the opportunity and make the effort to operate in them. Can we read this passage together? Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one, just as He determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, The body is not made up of one part, but of many. Imagine having a meal with one ingredient on the plate. Even if it's really yummy, it's not that satisfying by itself. Imagine cooking a stew that the recipe calls for 20 ingredients and you only put in a couple. It's not going to have the full flavor you wish it did. And so it is when we come to a church meeting and only a few people operate in their gifts If you've walked away from church unsatisfied and starving before, it's most likely because God by the Holy Spirit has not been allowed to bring the full and diverse flavor of who he is to that meeting. It's time to come together and enjoy more fully the awesome flavors that God brings to a meeting. If you don't identify as Christian, you might just walk away more satisfied than you could have ever believed possible. The invitation is there. I can't wait to start enjoying all the flavor God can bring to our lives. But don't forget, you are an essential ingredient for that to happen.